Hello and welcome to the Tradecast. My name is John Bakey. I'm the uh, editor of thetradenews.com and I'm joined today by our senior reporter, Hayley McDowell. Hi, Hayley. Hi, John. Uh, Hayley's just got back from holiday and is looking very tanned. you have a nice time? I did indeed. Good, good. Uh, now, there's a few issues uh, that we're going to tackle today. Uh, perhaps the uh, most exciting uh, will be at the end when we talk about uh, some of the stuff that's coming up with leaders in trading. We've also um, got uh, going to be chatting with uh, Michael Chin from Thomson Reuters, uh, as this is a Thomson Reuters sponsored podcast. Uh, but first, we'll start with a few news items. Hayley, do you want to? Uh, talk about a few of the things that have been happening this week. Yeah, sure. So I have come back from holiday and I was greeted by a LIBOR story. Um, so JP Morgan and Deutsche Bank have agreed to pay a combined $148 million. Uh, and that's to settle allegations of yen LIBOR and euro yen TIBOR benchmark interest rates manipulation in the US. Um, so this follows fines that were handing out, handed out by um, the US District Court of Manhattan last year uh-huh. uh, to HSBC and Citigroup. So HSBC paid $35 million and Citigroup paid $23 million for uh, the same uh, manipulation. So basically this was flagged last year by investors who um, were concerned that there was a conspiracy between about 20 banks mm. uh, and that they were rigging rates. Um, other banks included were Barclays, UBS and uh, a couple of Japanese banks. So, I mean, I, I, I'm not sure if we're going to hear anything else. I mean, it's the scandal that goes on and on and it on is, and on. Yeah. Um, exactly. And yeah, now it's sort of spreading to other benchmarks. It, it kind is. of makes you wonder whether any benchmark produced, you know, in the entire sort of first, first uh, decade or so of this century was in any way accurate, yeah. which is quite a worrying thing. Um, and, and it's also, I suppose, even more worryingly t- tells us that the banks still don't want to be up front because it has to go back again. In, you know, you said investors are concerned. Yeah. Why don't they admit this in the first place? When they got rumbled over LIBOR, you know, you'd think that all of they them. should review all of their... Uh, procedures and identify any other possible cases like this so the fact that this is still going on is is a very bad indictment for the banks I think yeah and you know JP Morgan and Deutsche Bank um, they they haven't admitted to, to any yeah, wrongdoing yeah they never do they, they just sort of pay these fines and, and move on so um, I mean I, I yeah I imagine we'll we'll hear something something else to do with uh, benchmark manipulation mm-hmm. I, I don't think the story will ever end um, really but Anyway, moving on. So, fresh off the news desk this morning, uh, NASDAQ has confirmed that it has acquired uh, Cybernetics, which is a market surveillance startup. Uh, so, this firm uses uh, behavioral analytics and cognitive computing uh, to tackle uh, market surveillance in asset management firms. So, this is quite um, a good deal, I think. I think that NASDAQ are really They've made such an effort in the last year with their technology and market data business. It's, you know, there's been several acquisitions and um, the new CEO, Adina Friedman, she often talks about the importance of technology for the exchange. Yeah. So I think this is uh, another way that they're, you know, bringing these new technologies, this, you know, behavioral analytics uh, to the buy side. And of course, with... Uh, regulations like MAR, MIFID II, Dodd-Frank, 
market surveillance is a, a key challenge for a lot of biosite yeah, firms. Yeah, and at we've the moment. seen big fines handed out to firms yeah. who haven't uh, defended against it in the past. So. Um, yeah, it's absolutely big, uh, big area of growth for them. Mm-hmm. Um, moving on to another area that may or may not produce growth in the future, uh, which is uh, research unbundling. Um, now, very interestingly, we've seen the first uh, attempt, or, or the kind of first hints at what it might actually cost to sign up to a research product for an investment bank. Um, it was leaked that Barclays. Uh, is planning to have essentially a kind of three-level tier system for access to its research and analysts, and that uh, is going to top off at three hundred and fifty thousand pounds. Wow, a lot of money every yeah. every year, three hundred fifty thousand pound, and that's going to get you all of their reports and some access to analysts. Okay, um, which makes you wonder whether there'll be. For example, additional fees for, mm-hmm. you know, if you want extra access to analysts or whether the reality is that you'll have just as much access to them as you do today, which is essentially for, a, you know, for a very big fund manager would be essentially be as much as they like. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's quite interesting. The cheapest deal uh, is going to cost around £30,000, which is a little bit more palatable, but yeah. there's no real detail on what that would actually consist of. Okay. Presumably, it's only going to be a limited range of, of stocks, or you know, uh, it's only going to entitle you to uh, potentially certain like classes of, of research they're producing. It's maybe not as detailed. So whether it's actually going to be useful or not is a, is a completely other question. Um, I would hope that for three hundred fifty grand a year, you also get the same kind of stock coverage as you do now. But there have been a lot of fears that you know, really, a lot of firms are going to reduce the stock coverage because why would you t- why would you write about some you know mid or small cap firm that doesn't trade all that often um, when you can write about you know Vodafone British Airways mm. etc of course the problem there is that for for those managers that are looking for those interesting opportunities in in the small caps and the mid caps you know they're, they're going to be finding themselves in a very difficult position Interestingly, uh, also over the weekend, we saw uh, Deutsche Asset Management announce that it's uh, setting up a research institute to provide its own internal research. And I think certainly for a lot of firms, that's going to be one option they'll be considering, uh, depending on the costs that they they might face and the levels of of research. But it's not going to be possible for every firm. If you're a boutique uh, fund manager, you're you're not going to be able to do that. So you may end up actually having you know, a situation where the fund managers ends up doing a whole ton of, of research for themselves. So be interesting to see how this pans out, but uh, it's going to be worrying for the buy side to see that the, the first glimpse of research costs is, is quite so high as it is a third of a million pounds. Um, so I think it's also, uh, you know, this story has highlighted for me that the deadline really is coming up now and we're actually seeing you know plans put into place we're seeing prices we're seeing you know Deutsche Asset Management's plans with with unbundling yep. I, I expect that we'll see a lot more news like this coming out um, quite rapidly I imagine yeah yeah I would think so there were, there were a few sort of rumblings that some other firms have, yeah. have more or less uh, sort of priced their research uh, and this is I mean this is something that's never been done before as well so I think we can definitely expect that it's going to continue 
to evolve mm-hmm. you know we'll see maybe pricing revised yeah. or I, I'd imagine that almost certainly that this £350,000 deal will be to some extent negotiable yeah um, the key thing will be that it has it, it can't be seen as an inducement to reduce the price yeah so it can't be seen as oh well you trade a lot with us so we'll provide you with cheaper research because again that's just going to fall foul of the inducement laws if you do that yeah uh, so I don't know exactly what uh, what that will constitute but um, yeah an interesting development and uh, as soon as we hear a bit more about um, about firms that are of uh, 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 price their research we'll, we'll let you know uh, I'm now uh, going to pass over to a conversation I had with uh, Michael Chin at Thomson Reuters uh, earlier today uh, talking about the, the Ready uh, and Icon uh, integration uh, and also talking a little bit about some of the challenges facing the buy side. So I'm uh, very pleased uh, to be joined uh, by Michael Chen from uh, Thomson Reuters uh, today. Hi there, Michael. Hi there, John. Now, uh, Michael, I, I know that uh, you guys have made a pretty big announcement today regarding the integration of uh, Ready. Uh, so perhaps you'd like to just uh, tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, no, I'd be happy to. So, yes, we're announcing today um, the first um, phase of the integration of Ready with Icon has been completed. Um, you know, I'm really proud of this because we've done it in, you know, what I feel is record time. We just closed the Ready acquisition uh, back in January, and mm. and sort of within six months' time, uh, we're delighted that we can deliver. Um, as I said, the first phase of an integrated workflow solution um, to our clients. Uh, and, you know, what this means is that it's taking us down this journey um, and this vision that we have um, to deliver, you know, an end-to-end um, buy-side trader workflow solution. Um, at the core of this is the Ready Execution Management System. Um, and when you sort of consider this you know, sophisticated trading tool sitting on the desktop of a buy-side trader and now enhanced with, you know, the, you know, the full breadth and, um, and functionality of ICON, uh, which, you know, delivers, you know, unique content to the buy-side trader so that they can make, um, you know, um, the best trading decisions they can with all this pre-trade functionality. And now, you know, taking that uh, pre-trade all the way to um, the actual trade. So very exciting stuff. Okay, and uh, you know, given the the current regulatory environment, uh, there's a lot of a lot more pressure on uh, trading desks these days. There's kind of more things that they're expected to do, more asset classes they're expected to know about. Uh, do, do you think that this kind of you know sort of workflow that could, that can essentially guide you through the whole trading process is is really going to be a kind of essential? Uh, feature, especially post MIFID two, for example. Absolutely. I mean, as you said, it the buy side trader uh, is no longer simply an order taker. Um, the expectation is that they need to, um, you know, generate alpha. I mean, you know, generate value to the trade. And to do this, you know, they're um, demanding much more sophisticated uh, trading tools. Um, you know, and as I mentioned, you know, integrated trading tools. Um, because, you know, the other focus from a buy-side trader is that, you know, they're, they're in a world where, you know, there is a lot of pressure to lower total cost of ownership 
across mm-hmm. the board. We're seeing that in the sell side. It's also sort of, you know, into the buy side as well <clears throat> as fees, you know, continue to see pressure, you know, the move from um, active to passive. So the um, buy side today, you know, needs to be um, doing more. The trader themselves, you know, have to be more efficient. Um, um, and as you said, the expectation is also that they need to trade multiple asset classes um, as um, as the buy side is trying to seek alpha, you know, outside of just a core asset class. So, um, you know, we're, we're, we're hearing that from our clients, um, and these pressures that they're feeling, and, you know, they're, they're asking for, um, you know, workflow tools um, that can help them lower their total cost of ownership and increase their, um, their productivity. Okay. And, and can this kind of stuff, you know, help with regulatory compliance directly, say, through, you know, having an audit trail of trader activity and that kind of thing? Uh, yes, absolutely, because... Um, you know, as more and more um, asset classes are traded electronically, um, you know, this, in fact, you know, creates that audit trail, you know, in terms of, you know, timestamps of when the trades have come down from the portfolio manager um, and, you know, all the tick history of, a tr- of, of the market compared to where the trades get executed. You know, when all of this wrapped together, you know, sort of formulates the data um, that gets fed into um, TCA tools. So that, that, you know, that once again drives traders to want to do more electronically and um, sort of, you know, also utilize uh, TCA um, tools to be able to um, prove best execution. Okay. Well, thank you very much for uh, joining us today, Michael. It's been very useful. Thank you, John. Um, happy to speak to you. Right. Welcome back. And uh, as promised going to uh, provide a little bit of an update on what's going on with uh, Leaders in Trading. Are you looking forward to Leaders in Trading, Hayley? Absolutely. Highlight of my year. Yeah, I love I bet it. it is. Um, <laughs> but it is uh, a, you know, a pretty major event for in the trading calendar. Uh, we have many of the uh, leading figures on the buy side uh, who like to come every year. And uh, this year is going to be no different. Uh, I hope uh, people will... Uh, be interested here that we're going to be significantly opening up our um, nominations process this year and we're going to have a, uh, a judging panel of uh, industry experts um, who are going to be looking at all of the entries that we receive uh, to come up with a shortlist which we'll be putting out to the vote. Uh, so with that in mind I would say if your firm's been doing something uh, amazing or you've got individuals on your desk who are doing really good work uh, then please uh, have a think about that and and talk to them if you need to and uh, figure out how you can make sure that they get entered and, and get recognised for what they do. We're going to be uh, announcing very shortly a uh, new website where you'll be able to go and register all your details, submit your nomination um, and then once we receive those we're going to be uh, discussing with the judging panel uh, a little bit later this year. Uh, prior to the event. Uh, We're also going to be having, once again, the rising stars of trading and execution, looking at all those folks aged under 40 who are making a big difference on trading desks uh, across the buy side. Uh, We found this event to be uh, not only only a great fun event uh, with a lot of new faces that that we don't necessarily always see speaking at conferences and so on, the, the guys, the foot soldiers who are 
supporting the heads of trading in their day-to-day work and you know these guys will I hope one day be the the head traders of the future uh, so again if you've got some young and talented traders on your trading desk uh, then we will also be having a nomination uh, website for those so have a think uh, you know make sure that you get uh, a great uh, nomination for them and uh, hopefully they will be recognized come uh, come the autumn uh, with that I think we're done for the day so I'd like to just thank everybody for listening uh, I'd like to thank our sponsor Thompson Reuters and we'll see you next time